I have things in this bag. I have an apple. Can anyone tell me what kind of plant this grows on? Right there. An apple tree. There you go. Good job. I have a banana. Could anyone tell me what kind of plant this grows on? A banana tree. You ready to help, Dad? Okay. Uh, I have a pepper, uh, a red pepper. Not sure what kind it is, uh, but it's a red pepper. Uh, what kind of plant does that grow on? A pepper bush. That is exactly what I was thinking. Uh, I have a strawberry. Uh, right out of the fridge. It's been sitting on this. It's very clean. You could eat it if you wanted to. I didn't do anything weird to it. Don't worry. I'm not going to say I did anything later to them. Uh, where does a strawberry grow? On a strawberry plant. Very smart. Very good. A peach. Perfect looking peach. Amazing we can get these things right now in Yakima. Where does a peach grow? Uh, what do you think? Peach tree. A peach tree. Uh, I have a potato. What kind of tree does a potato grow on? A potato plant. Thanks for not saying potato tree. Grapes. Uh, what do grapes grow on? What's that? A grapevine is exactly right. Those are clean and ready to eat, by the way. I know some of you don't trust me after things I've done before. Uh, but they are. Uh, another apple. Uh, someone who hasn't answered. What does an apple grow on? Back there? Yeah. An apple tree. Good job. What else do I... A cucumber. What kind of tree? Uh, up here. A cucumber plant, that's right. Uh, most of that one's good, I think. <laughs> Hair, it's very ripe. Uh, these are great. Um, yeah? A pear tree, there you go. Onion, onion, what kind of tree? I don't really know what it's called, but an onion plant type thing. Okay. Pepper, green pepper. Green pepper over there. What kind of plant does a green pepper grow on? A pepper plant, that's right. And is that it? Oh, that is it. All right, very good. You guys are very good at that. Why don't you give everybody a hand there that answered? <laughs> Smart bunch here. Uh, you guys know what kind of plants a certain uh, fruit grows on. 
How do you know something about the plant? Well, it's the fruit that grows on it. Uh, what if I held up those grapes and said they grew on an apple tree? Would you guys believe me? No. You know the tree by its fruit. Uh, it's very clear. We all know that. Uh, it's a clear illustration. It's all over the Bible. It's used as an illustration in many places, and it'll be used again today in the passage we're looking at. Matthew 7, 15 to 29, open your Bibles, and uh, let's take a look at this. <coughs> We've been looking at uh, what's often called the Sermon on the Mount uh, for several weeks now, and today we are winding it up. We're near the end, and we're going to see the conclusion and uh, we're going to see that Jesus has a very serious conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. All right. Uh, I just want to say amen to the, to the prayer that Tim said. And let's get right into this. Matthew 7, verse 15. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. The very first word in our passage is beware. Watch out, everybody. Caution. Take precaution. Do something. There is evil out there. Beware. And what are we supposed to beware of? The false prophets. A prophet is someone who has a message from God, or at least they claim to have a message from God. Uh, and a true prophet has a true message from God. God gave them the message, and they're giving that message to the people. A false prophet would not. They might claim to have a message from God, but they actually are false. And uh, the message is not from God. It is from the person. And, uh, but in this case, the message, it might sound like it's from God. It might actually be right, a lot of the message. Uh, but uh, there's some sort of problem here, and it's not truly from God. It's a false prophet. The false prophet comes to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. A ravenous wolf. I looked up what is a ravenous wolf. It's a wolf that hasn't eaten for a long time. Uh, it is extremely hungry, and uh, it's ready to kill anything in sight and tear it to pieces and eat it up. That's a ravenous wolf. And uh, Jesus is saying these people, these false prophets, although they come in sheep's clothing, they look very good inside they are a ravenous wolf what would happen in this building in this room right now if there was a ravenous wolf sit standing right there a ravenous wolf what would happen in here something right most of you would run a lot of you would grab your kids and you should that would be the thing to do protect your kids uh, a lot of you would get out of here Right? Because it's going to run and it's going to kill something. It wants to kill. That's a ravenous wolf. Some of you might stand up. I bet some of you bigger guys, some leaders here might stand up and try to do something about that. And stop that wolf. And protect the other people in here. Something would happen, wouldn't it? And something's going to die. Something is going to die if there was a ravenous wolf in our midst. Either one of you or the wolf. Hopefully the wolf, right? Something's going to die, right? Uh, something's going to happen. When Jesus says there's a ravenous wolf, what's he trying to say here? He's saying something's got to happen here. This is serious. You would not just sit here and go, oh, look, kids, a ravenous wolf. Uh, oh, he's eating that person over there. Isn't that great? What a nice Sunday morning. 
Uh, no, this is serious stuff. We're supposed to take it seriously. And you would not sit there and do nothing. You would do something if there's a ravenous wolf. Problem is, uh, these false prophets we're talking about come in sheep's clothing. There are different kinds of false prophets. There's just the plain heretic false prophet who uh, does not believe in God, does not believe in Jesus, and is proud of it and would tell all of us uh, to stop believing, stop doing all this, you're wasting your time. That's a, that would be a heretic false prophet. Uh, an apostate could be someone who claimed that they did believe at one time, but now they've been enlightened or have some sort of new revelation, and uh, they would lead people astray that way, uh, something new. Uh, but these, it's neither of those two that are talked about here. The, the false prophets here are the deceivers, uh, people who sneak in. Uh, they would look just like everybody else, say a lot of good things, do a lot of good stuff, and uh, be involved in lots of things. But yet, uh, inward, they're a ravenous wolf. <clears throat> it does say come in sheep's clothing. There's a couple ways that could be taken. I've always thought of that as uh, the idea that, uh, you know, a wolf dressed up in a costume of a sheep sneaks into the, the sheep pen, and obviously that's a really bad thing. And maybe that's what it's talking about. I did hear a message, though, where they pointed out um, that at this time, the shepherds, uh, well, a lot of people at the time, if, if you want to know what someone's job was, you could look at their clothing and probably tell what their job was. And a shepherd, more than anyone else, what did shepherds wear? They wore wool. They wore sheep's clothing, actually. Because uh, it would be really cool that night and uh, warm during the day. And a sheep will actually, I guess, can keep you uh, cool during the day and warm at night. Uh, they were just known for wearing sheep's clothing. If someone came in sheep's clothing, uh, literally, that might mean they're not trying to pretend to be a sheep. There might, that might mean they're trying to pretend to be a shepherd. Uh, and actually, that makes a lot of sense here. It seems like that's what it's talking about. Because a false prophet isn't someone who's just content to sit down and do nothing. They want to be a leader. They want to have a following. And they want to lead people astray, uh, a false prophet. So... They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, ravenous wolves. How do we tell who they are? If this is that important, how are we going to know? Verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. We know them by their fruits. Uh, you look at the fruit, and that's how you tell what a plant is. Uh, the onion, uh, it came from an onion plant. The, the grapes came from a grapevine, and there's just no other way it's going to happen. It's just the way it is. It does take time to see the fruit. Uh, you know that the trees in our backyard we have so many different fruit trees i don't even know which ones which sometimes so i just wait the leaves come on and that might tell me something but i don't really know my leaves very well but eventually the fruit comes on and eventually i know it does take a little time but the fruit comes on and i know which tree is which in my backyard eventually because uh, it's obvious when you see the fruit and that's the idea here there will be fruit coming from their life god says this and uh there's good fruit and there's bad fruit just watch for it and uh, watch for the good fruit and the bad fruit. 
Every good tree bears good fruit. The bad tree uh, bears bad fruit. That's just the way it is. What kind of fruit are we looking for here? What exactly is it we're looking for? Well, it could be lots of things. We should go to the scriptures and see what God says about fruit. Uh, you know, there is a passage in Galatians 5. Uh, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. If someone's a true Christian and the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of them, uh, you should be able to see that in their life. There should be fruit, and it actually lists what that fruit is, the fruits of the Spirit. You know what? This year in action, we've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit. I wonder, is there any kid in here that's been in action that could say all the fruits of the Spirit? Anyone want to give it a try? I have a microphone right here. Uh, lots of hands here. Uh, really glad there's lots of hands. I'm going to go up here. Can you say the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, playfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Give her a hand, everybody. That's some things we should be looking for. If we see that, that's good fruit. That's probably a sign that God's working in that person's life. Uh, you know, in Galatians 5, right before that passage, there's actually some examples of bad fruit. It says things to watch out for. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, disputes, factions, envying, drunkenness. Those are just a few of the long list. Uh, so there's things we look for. The fruits of the Spirit, these good and bad fruits, these are things we look for in the person's life. But also, if a person's a false prophet, we would also be looking for fruit that comes, because they probably want to be some sort of leader. And so we would look for fruit from that as well. Is there good things coming from that, or is there bad things coming from that? Good fruit or bad fruit. And, uh, and sometimes it might be confusing. Sometimes, you know... Uh, might take a lot of discernment and prayer to figure out is this good or bad fruit but uh but it's something to think about and it is interesting the way jesus words this here verse 18 a good tree cannot produce bad fruit you find that interesting a good tree cannot produce bad fruit i'm thinking can a good person mess up and do some bad things sometimes it sure seems like it jesus said a good tree cannot produce bad fruit interesting uh, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit and verse 20 says so then you will know them by their fruits one thing we got to keep in mind here is that uh, the fruit that comes from the life we're not talking about a person that's a really good person and does good things as compared to a bad person doing bad things we're comparing because we're all really are any of you good are any of you perfect we're not. You know, when, G when someone came and asked Jesus, a good teacher, what must I do to be saved? What did he say? Why do you call me good? There's only one who is good, and that's God. If a person is a good tree, it must mean the Holy Spirit is in their life. You can't be a good tree without God. And if God's in your life, God himself is saying here, well, there's going to be good fruit that comes from that. Not because you're a good person. It simply means because God is going to do something in your life it's going to be good that brings up a lot of questions in my mind I don't have answers for all of them uh, but it's what God said a good tree will produce good fruit and a bad tree will it's impossible for a bad tree to produce good fruit 
you got to be saved, you got to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you can produce good fruit. Uh, if not, you won't. And verse 20 is kind of good to know. You will know them by their fruits. God's in charge of this whole thing. And uh, he will let those people know who are looking uh, if the fruit is good or not. You will know. God says you will know. And so that's uh, kind of comforting to know that God said that. <clears throat> False prophets. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about false prophets. The Old Testament has a lot to say in Deuteronomy chapter 18. If someone claims to have a message from God and they're lying and it's not, do you know what they're supposed to do? Put them to death. Uh, right there on the spot. You're supposed to put them to death. If someone claims to have a message from God and they're lying. Uh, is that pretty serious? It is serious. Uh, the New Testament, very serious, too. First uh, Peter has a lot to say about that. Revelations has things to say about that. Uh, also, the false prophets. Remember, in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, has in mind the scribes and the Pharisees uh, he's mentioned. Certainly, he has them in mind while he's talking about these false prophets, the scribes and Pharisees. And uh, he has very harsh language from them. Uh, later on in Matthew, chapter 23, he's going to say... To you Pharisees, he says, you guys, you'll travel distances, you'll travel across an ocean to get one convert, and once you get that one convert, Jesus said these words, you make them twice a child of hell as you are. Wow. I, I find that extremely uh, powerful statement from Jesus. What does Jesus think about false prophets? Uh, very serious. Uh, and they need to be dealt with. So beware of the false prophets. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. We're getting into some very serious verses here. I consider this in the next two verses uh, very serious, perhaps some of the most... Uh, challenging and scary verses in the entire Bible. I was, I was thinking that, and I wasn't going to say that, but I just listened to a message, and the preacher said the exact same thing. He thinks these are the most serious verses in the whole Bible we're about to read. <clears throat> Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Lord, Lord, this is a way of acknowledging that God is Lord. To say it twice is a good thing. It shows a lot of respect. Uh, it's a good thing. Notice it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So many will. There are many that say, Lord, Lord, who will enter the kingdom of heaven. I hope you have called God your Lord. Uh, and I hope he's your savior as well, which we're going to get to. Uh, but some people who say they believe in God, they would say, oh, yeah, God is the Lord of my life. They would say the words and maybe a lot of other words to go with it. Maybe even say they have good doctrine say good things out of their mouth, not every one of those people will enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. So what's the difference here? There are people who will talk good about God and say he's their Lord. Two groups of people, they both say good things. What's the difference? One group does not do the will of God the Father, and one group does do the will God the Father. You see how God, Jesus is separating people into two groups here? We're going to see this a lot 
Didn't we see that last week when we talked about a wide gate and a narrow gate? Two gates, not three or four, just two. A wide gate and a narrow gate that leads to salvation. Here we have people who do the will of the Father and people who don't do the will of the Father. And the scary thing here is both of them are talking good about God. Both of them are saying they believe. Both of them, we, I don't know the details. There's probably many different situations here. But there are people who will say the Lord is God uh, who will not enter the kingdom of heaven. How do you know the difference? Well, we just found out the fruit. That was one thing, too. Notice he was separating people there also, good trees and bad trees. A lot of separation here. Now we have people who do the will of Father, people who don't. When I first read this and I think of the will of the Father, what does that mean? It means to do good things, right? And that's true. Doing the will of the Father would be doing good things. But I found some interesting verses. Let me read 1 Timothy 2.4. God, our Savior, desires, desires, that means his will is, he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If you're doing the will of God according to the Bible, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to get saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Getting saved means acknowledging that you're a sinner and you deserve punishment for your sins. Believing in Jesus Christ, that he took the punishment for your sins. He died on the cross and he rose again. And if you believe in that and you ask him to forgive you, then you are saved. And you know what? That's God's will for your life right there it says it right there god's will is that all of you be saved uh, by jesus christ and come to the knowledge of the truth john six twenty nine. this is the work of god to believe in him whom he has sent uh, if you want to do the will and the work of god you begin by believing in jesus christ and being saved asking him to save you that's where you begin if you're just trying to do these good things and get good fruit on your own, uh, it's impossible. You're just not going to be able to do it. You've got to be a good tree, and to do that, you've got to get right with God. So those who do the will of the Father, that starts with believing in Jesus Christ. Once you believe in Jesus Christ, his spirit is in you, and then you can do good things that are honoring to him. And you can live a life uh, like we've been learning about in the Sermon on the Mount. If you never believe in Jesus Christ, if he's not your savior, uh, you can still say, Lord, you can say good things about him, maybe even believe good things about him. Uh, but if you never actually believed in him and put your faith in him, uh, then you're on the outside and you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's very serious. And the next two get even more serious. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, there it is again, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name? In your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Perhaps the harshest words in all of scripture. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Before I get into this, I want to point out, who is Jesus claiming to be in these verses? Uh, do you notice what he says there? He says, many will say to me on that day. We're talking about the day of judgment. 
when people stand before God and God decides heaven and hell. This is serious stuff. And who are they going to talk to? Jesus said they're going to talk to me. Who is Jesus claiming to be here? Well, obviously the judge, the eternal judge of everybody, but uh, I think it's implied that he's God himself. Uh, and verse 23, then I will declare to them. Jesus is the judge, judge of everybody. Uh, he's claiming that, and, and only God could claim that, so he's claiming to be God and the judge. <clears throat> Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy? The word prophesy here, it doesn't just mean foretelling of the future or a supernatural thing like that. It could mean simply explaining God's word. Uh, this is God's word right here. And those who do it, in, in the Bible, the word prophesy could be used for that as well. It doesn't just mean a supernatural thing. Uh, it could mean a, a telling about God's word or, or something like that. And that makes this even more serious in my mind because because uh, prophesying it's something we do here you could say I'm prophesying right now according to a real definition of it I'm just explaining God's word uh, bringing God's word to you now did we not prophesy in your name in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles these are people they were saying Lord Lord they said that they acknowledge God who he is Lord Lord and they went even further, and they're doing things for God. They're doing things in his name. They're prophesying, whatever that may be. They are casting out demons. That is a supernatural thing. Or at least they're doing what they thought was casting out demons. Uh, they're performing miracles, another supernatural thing. Uh, or at least what they thought were miracles done in Jesus' name. What were they actually doing? You know, it's a good question. And uh, if they're not doing it in his name, what was really going on here? Uh, don't have time to get into all of that, but probably uh, not godly things. Satan and the demons might have been involved. Maybe just people tricking other people. There, maybe there's no miracle at all going on, and uh, they're just tricking others. Either way, there are people who claim to be doing things for God and in his name and acknowledging him as Lord who will not enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus will actually say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And that's a serious thing. Who are these people? Uh, I think there's many different levels of who these people are. Maybe, I, and I know the, the video we've been watching back there in Sunday school is really, I've learned a lot about uh, faith healers and stuff like that. There are people, I think, uh, that are truly leading people astray, and they even know it, and they, they enjoy the money that they get for it. Uh, and they're lying to people, and people are believing it. Uh, false prophets, deceivers. Um, I think some of those people, they, if you lie long enough, I've heard sometimes you believe the lie yourself. Uh, maybe they, they, they deceived themselves. And uh, they really knew what they were doing was wrong, but... Um, Maybe uh, they're so used to telling people that they're doing miracles, maybe they thought if they told Jesus, Jesus would believe them too. Well, Jesus sees right through that. Uh, all sorts of levels of that going on, but the scary part here is that uh, it sounds like there's people who are truly confused. There are people who will stand there on Judgment Day, and they will talk to God, and they will say, God, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did it in your name. And Jesus is going to say those words that will haunt them for eternity. I 
never knew you. They thought they were serving God. They thought they were doing what was right. And I don't know all the details here and stuff. I wish I did know more, but we don't. But the fact is there's people that are confused. And uh, they think they're serving God, and they're not. They never knew him. And they will spend eternity thinking about that and regretting that they never knew God. And that's a very serious thing. This, these verses are definitely a call for every one of us to examine our own life. Uh, could you be someone who is deceived? Could you be someone who uh, you, you've been trying to serve God, doing good things, maybe all your life, maybe for years, maybe you have a long list of things that are good that you've done, you think are good, and maybe you're thinking when you stand before God, I'm going to tell him all these things and he's got to let me into heaven. It will never work, folks. It will never work. Even think about this, the casting out of demons and miracles. That seems like really big, powerful stuff, and it seems like God would be, uh, people would just be amazed by that. And he says, I never knew you. Uh, you need to have a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. That's the key here. Uh, you need to know him. When you stand before God at the judgment, uh, don't let it be the first time you've ever talked to him, because uh, that would be bad. How sad it would be if someone got to the judgment seat and said, I went to Titan Drive Bible Chapel 20 years. I sat there every Sunday. I went to potluck. I brought good food to potluck. I even ate those terrible wafers that we have during the breaking of bread. I, uh, I helped out at action. I did this. I did that. I visited people and raked their leaves. I did all sorts of things. My list is long. And I looked so good, and everyone thought I was such a good person. How sad it would be if someone said that. And God said, I never knew you. It's not about doing things to please God. It's a relationship with God. Don't miss that. God wants a relationship with you, each one of you. And that's what gets you into heaven, according to these verses. Uh, it's not doing a bunch of great things. Even things done in his name and teaching good things. No, it's a relationship with God. Be honest with God and talk to him. Have a relationship with him. That's the key here. Depart from me, I never knew you. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. We are at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is trying to get people's attention and saying, you have to make a choice. Will it be the wide gate or the narrow gate? Will it be a good tree or a bad tree? 
Will you have a relationship with me and be in the kingdom of heaven, or will you not? You see, he just keeps separating everybody here. Again, he's going to separate people again. He's going to say, if you hear the words that I'm saying to you, and this is God speaking uh, to these people and to us today, if you hear them and act on them, act on them, some sort of action, something happening in your life as a response to this, then you're like a person building his house on a rock, and that's a smart thing to do. When the rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew, the house stood. And the house is a picture of your life. What are you building your life on? Is it on Jesus Christ? The rock here is Jesus Christ. You believe in who he is. He is God in the flesh. He died for my sins. I'm staking everything in my life on that. That's building your life on the rock. And then you build the house, and God helps you uh, along in life, but the rock is Jesus Christ, giving your life to him. Uh, Listening to his words and acting on them. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. What's the difference between the wise and foolish builder? You know, it's, I've taught this many times. I've taught it in action. I've taught it to kids. I've taught it actually. I think we went through this a long time ago, and I think I taught it here before, and I'm always amazed every time I read this. I always think that it's the Christian building his life on the rock, and it's the non-Christian over here. But according to Jesus' words, what's the only difference between the two people? Again, we're separating people here. There are those who hear God's word, like we're doing right now. You're hearing God's word, and they do something about it. They act on it. There is a response. And there are people who hear God's word, like we're doing right now, and they do nothing. That's the difference, according to Jesus' words. Uh, You don't act on them. So the question today is, uh, are you going to act on God's word or are you not? Are you a wise builder or a foolish builder? When Jesus finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. He was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. People will listen to the scribes based on what rabbi they taught under, based on what... uh, lineage they were from, uh, really nothing about the authority of God. Uh, So uh, there was just a weird system there. Jesus put all that system aside, and being God in the flesh, (laughs) he has a lot of authority, doesn't he? And people realize that. This guy is not just another common teacher. He's not uh, one of our scribes or Pharisees. Uh, Wow, he's teaching with the authority of God. And there you have it. There's the Sermon on the Mount, everybody. Matthew chapter 5 through 7. We have looked at a lot of things here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the gentle, who hunger for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and the persecuted. We heard those words from Jesus. Did you hear the words and act on them? If you did, you're a wise builder. Good for you. If you didn't, have you done anything in response to that, everybody? Anything? You're a foolish builder, according to Jesus. If you listened to those words and did absolutely nothing, you're a foolish builder. 
We're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Have you been trying to do that and be salt and light? Have you thought about it? Are you a wise builder or a foolish builder? Your righteousness is supposed to surpass the scribes and the Pharisees. We talked about murder and anger, adultery and lust, divorce, false vows, turning the other cheek, loving your neighbor and your enemies, giving, praying, and fasting in a humble way, storing your treasures in heaven, not worrying, judging correctly, asking, seeking, and knocking, and treating people in the way you want them to treat you. Those are just a few of the key things we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount. Are you a wise builder who is listening to these things and acting on them? Or are you a foolish builder who is listening and not acting on them? Jesus is dividing people into categories, isn't he? And you know what? I think, in looking at the Sermon on the Mount, I think, and I keep finding over and over in Jesus' messages, I think the real outcome in many of his messages is the same thing. Has there been any point in time in the Sermon on the Mount where you thought to yourself, wow, I'm doing awesome in that category. I am great, perfect. Yay me. Have you thought about that? Have you had that thought? Have you found that you've, you come up short? Is this stuff hard to do? Is Jesus surprised by that? He knows exactly when he says the words that the very people he's talking to not going to be able to do this on their own what's the real outcome from the sermon on the mount what's the real response that all of us should have no matter who you are what you've done what's the response all of us should have to this and really i i find more and more it's the response we should always have to jesus's teaching <clears throat> perhaps the right response is god i'm a sinner and i need a savior Please save me. I fall short in every area. I messed up. And remember, this isn't things that you should do if you feel like it. When God commands something, uh, you do it. If you don't, it's called sin, right? Have you sinned? Maybe the proper response is that you need to talk to God. And you need to ask forgiveness, first of all, before anything else. Ask forgiveness and get right with him. The same Jesus who gave the Sermon on the Mount, sometime later would go to a cross, hang on a cross and die there. Die for the sins of the world, for your sins. He knew you would not be able to do these things. He knew that you're a sinner. But he made a way to have that relationship with God that you need. Uh, you can be forgiven. Today, you can ask him for forgiveness. Because he died on the cross, he took the punishment you deserve. He took it. And if you ask him, he will forgive your sins, all of them completely. It's an amazing thing. What a gift from God. You can then become a good tree and produce good fruit. You then can begin to start thinking about the Sermon on the Mount and all these things and start working on them in your life. Talk to God about them. Talk to him every day. What was the key there when Jesus said, depart from me? He said, I never knew you. You need a relationship with God. The amazing thing is God wants a relationship with you, and he made a way for it to happen. The ball's in your court. Are you going to accept that? 
You're going to talk to him and have that relationship. You'll never regret that for eternity. <laughs> it's what you need to do. It's a proper response. Uh, if you don't, uh, if you're just trying to work your way to heaven, it will never work. And uh, he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Turn to the Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Whether you've been a Christian for 20, 50 years, maybe you still need to ask him again to forgive you and admit that you messed up and ask him to help you to live the life that you should. And then you can, and then he can help you do what's right and honoring to him. And then when you stand before him someday, instead of hearing, depart from me, I never knew you, you might just hear those amazing words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. God in heaven, uh, we acknowledge that uh, the righteousness that you demand from us is high, Lord. Uh, you demand so many things, and we can't do it, but we just admit that to you. We ask forgiveness. Help us to do what's right, to do what's good, uh, to take these things to heart. Help everyone here to be a wise builder, uh, to listen and act on these things, Lord. And I pray you would uh, do great things in our lives, make us good trees that bear good fruit. And uh, help us to look forward to that day that we get to meet you face to face, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.